You're listening to episode 39 of the Becoming Aligned podcast. Welcome to Becoming Aligned, where we'll step away from the busyness of our days to explore what it looks and feels like to create meaningful lives that align with our personal values. My guests have found their own unique way to navigate through the distractions, the pressures, and the expectations of everyday life. And in the process, they've discovered the freedom to be truly themselves, to tune into their own heart, and to honor their own unique voice. I'll explore what motivates them, what challenges them, and what strategies help them work towards their goal in a way that nourishes their mind and body. I believe everyone has a story to share, and then we become a stronger community when we're able to listen and learn from those around us. I'm your host, Maureen Ryan, the founder of Ryan Wellness. I'm a Chicago-based self-discovery mentor and Pilates instructor. I hope these conversations will serve as inspiration and as a reminder that it's not about perfection, but the process of becoming aligned. In this episode, I chat with attorney-turned-entrepreneur Sam Vanderweelen. We cover a wide range of topics and chat about changing careers, starting your own business, navigating health issues, and dealing with grief. Sam is so down-to-earth, honest, and open about her experiences. She has some really beautiful insights to offer. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sam Vanderweelen. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for joining me on the Becoming Aligned podcast. I'm really happy to have the chance to just sit down and talk to you in person today. So thank you for making the time to be here. Hey, Maureen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So I wanted to have you on the podcast for a few reasons. You are someone who I came across on Instagram. Um, You're a fellow entrepreneur who helps coaches and service providers become you know, grow legally legit businesses, which I think is wonderful. And I know I have personally benefited from the Ultimate Bundle Program, so thank you for that. Um, Thank you for being in it. (laughs) But you're, you're also someone who shows up online and in your business in a very authentic way. You share some of your personal experiences and your journey as an entrepreneur. And I know I personally appreciate the honest and heartfelt way that you share your journey because to me it comes across as someone who is doing their best Um, to be intentional in aligning their choices to their values. And I'd love to explore like your journey to aligning your choices to your values and what that has looked like at different stages of your life. And I think it's something we're always working on, but I would just kind of love to explore what you've learned, you know, throughout those different stages of your life um, throughout our conversation today. So hopefully you're open to diving into that a little bit. Totally. I feel like I have so many, so many thoughts on this topic. So I'm really excited to talk about it. Can you introduce yourself and like tell everyone a little bit about yourself in present day before we take it back in time? Yeah, sure. So I'm Sam Vanderweelen. Like Maureen said, I'm an attorney turned entrepreneur and I help online coaches and service providers legally protect and grow their online businesses through my DIY legal templates and my ultimate bundle program, which Maureen is in. Um, and so basically I help people make sure that they get paid and set up and enforce boundaries, protect their content and intellectual property, all of that kind of stuff. But as Maureen mentioned, I, I have found it's been really important over the last several years that I've been in business, um, at least to me, to make sure that I help people actually grow their businesses because a lot of people can look at lawyers and look at legal as kind of a like roadblock. And so I like to flip that on its head and show people not only how they can use legal to grow, but 
in general, give them the tools um, that they need to grow an online business and give you that freedom and flexibility that I know I was chasing after. I hope that other people are are achieving as well with their businesses. So that's really my, that's been my baby for the last four Aww. years. It's been really growing this business. Um, it's actually four years since I left the law. Um, oh, wow. I left the law and started my own health coaching business at first. I did that for about a year until three and a half years ago. I realized that there was this real need and, and I had a real desire to help people um, with a more accessible and approachable hopefully cozier uh, legal experience, as I say. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's been three and a half years that I've been doing this. I love being an entrepreneur. Um, I think it's been so helpful to me personally. Hopefully I've helped a few people along the way. Um, I've been lucky to now have worked with thousands of people, which like I can't even believe. Um, And I've learned a lot about what you were talking about earlier with like showing up in a more authentic way and, um, so it's, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, I think that's really cool to hear just in terms of, I, I love what you said even about that, how le- legal can be like a roadblock, um, mm. you know, to getting things done, especially for small business, you know, people who are just trying to start off and get things growing. And there's so many unknowns and things that we, you know, we're trying to figure out. And I do, I love how you make it accessible. And I think that's where your authenticity really shines because that like, I can tell that when I'm like watching your Instagram story is that you're just wanting to like, you know, guide people on the right path and just keep them growing. So you're, you do a really nice job of that. So kudos to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And, and so you've, you've made some career changes and you kind of had these growths along the way. And I'm always kind of curious of the background of the person as well. So I would love for you before we kind of dive into kind of leaving law, which I definitely want to talk about. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about Sam as like a young person. Like what would she, (laughs) what would she get like lost and absorbed in? Like what would be things that she'd be really passionate about um, as she's navigating like her childhood and just a little kid growing up? Yeah. So I have been and still am very passionate about cooking. Um, Mm. So I was obsessed with cooking from a young age. Um, my mom's actually a single mom went to med school when I was a kid. And oh. so I was home a lot by myself. Um, so part out of necessity at first, I was like, well, somebody's got to cook a meal <laughs> around here. <laughs> and so um, no fault. I'm not faulting my mom. She right. was working, but it's, you know, I did what I had to do and fed myself a lot. Um, but then realized like, well, I really love cooking. So mm. I was really into that. I was obsessed with starting businesses. So I always ah. had little things going on the side where I'd pop open a little lemonade stand or a little like craft stand on my lawn or I was always like scheming of a, some sort of invention I could create or something I could do business-wise. I was really into business. Huh. Um, yeah, so it was. It's this was in my blood, that's for sure. So that was, and I feel like the only other part about me was that I was like a, I was a, a book nerd. I was an intellectual mm. kid. I was very curious. I read a lot. You know, um, I wasn't so interested in like the formal side of school. I just was like very interested in the world around me and what was going on. Um, but I actually, so on the personal side, had a very tumultuous childhood, mm. had a lot of trauma at home. And I think what would be relevant to like our conversation mm-hmm. is a really interesting, something I've reflected on a lot over the last couple of years is that I really didn't have a voice as a child. There was no space or opportunity for me to have a voice. And I very much had to 
keep quiet and kind of um, just take it and deal with mm-hmm. everybody else's stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so I really suppressed this voice in me or my opinions and uh, to, to people who weren't who were in my family. And um, I saw how much that came into play. I see how much that relates to what you're talking about with me showing up and what you're, yeah. you feel like is authentic online. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really interesting because, you know, seeing you now, I think um, using your voice in such a powerful way and just coming across really, um, I don't know, just naturally and authentically, like that's it's almost surprising to hear that. But it's interesting, too, because when I hear you say that, I'm like, that's so interesting um, that you would get into law. Like, does that affect your interest in getting into law? The fact that you felt like your voice was being suppressed and you wanted to make sure I mean, I don't know if I'm making a connection that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I No, I actually think there was. I think there were a couple of things. So one, I think I thought being a lawyer was like the fastest track to independence. Um, mm. So, you know, when you grow up, everybody's always like, be a doctor or a lawyer or yeah. something something like very clear and defined and safe, quote unquote safe. It's, it's kind of funny to me now looking back, like it doesn't seem so safe. But right. um, yeah, I think that I thought that was the case. I also thought that it was like a really well-paying job and so I could be independent and get out. Mm. Um, and so I think there was part of that. I definitely think that what you're saying is true that first of all, it's kind of funny that I chose a profession where you defend other people and like yeah. fight for what's right. And I felt like I couldn't do that. Um, like I didn't have anybody to fight or defend me mm-hmm. uh, and so fight for me. So I was doing that for other people. So that was kind of interesting. I also realized that I essentially recreated my home life in my office life because it was tumultuous. People were always screaming. Ah. It was unpredictable. I did not feel safe. There was a lot of backstabbing. It was really crazy. And so I was like, oh, this is like very similar to my childhood. Yeah. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Were you aware of that at the time? Or is this something that you kind of had been able to reflect on and learn from, you know, through, you know, I don't know, through therapy or through other means where you're able to kind of see those? Because I'm just, and the reason I guess I ask is I'm curious, like, when did you start noticing that for yourself, those patterns? And how did you start to break those patterns? Yeah, well, I think that I I always say like I was I felt like I was Goldilocksing as an attorney, so I would basically mm-hmm. like hopscotch from firms or jobs or bosses or like um, areas of law. And so I was in therapy at the time, and I would always say like I don't understand what's wrong with me. I just can't hack it. Like I always saw it as an that there was something wrong with me uh-huh. that I couldn't. I wasn't strong enough. I was too sensitive. You know, all of these things and. It was so interesting in talking with that about her, uh, talking about that with her. She would say, "You know, has there ever been a time when that people told you like you're too sensitive, you can't handle it?" And I was like, "You know, that's so funny because as a child, I would face and experience abuse, and then be told by the abuser that the the abuse happened because I was too weak, mm-hmm. I was sensitive, I was overly sensitive, and I wasn't, I just wasn't able to handle it." And used to tell me I would have a really hard life if I was always going to be this sensitive, Mm -hmm. right? So I felt like that was always the same rhetoric at the firm. So I started to make this connection and started realizing also that, like, it's great if if there's somebody else who, you know, an office next to me, for example, who would thrive off of people screaming and there being all this drama and all this, Mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything about me, but that's not what I want to do so I kind of just started to detach some of the meaning from all of this of like Mm -hmm. and just getting a bit more comfortable with like that's just not me 
you know, like that's not me. But, but at that time, I didn't know who I was. I just knew that I wasn't that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the first step, right? Is like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, because you're not even aware. Sometimes you're just not even aware of how like all of that's affecting you. Um, and so it's like, how do I kind of first just separate myself from this? And then like you can begin kind of cultivating and exploring like who you really are and how you want to show up and, you know what you have to offer in your own unique way it might not fit into the model that you know you've been built into or told so for so long I don't know if that kind mm-hmm. of resonates but oh that's so interesting thank yeah. you for being like super honest about that and like I'm just I'm curious then like so you started to detach the meaning and then like how did you start to explore and yeah cultivate that like who am I what do I want what are my values like how did you start that process and what did that look like yes it was um it was like multi step process. So the first thing was that I started my own little food blog that mm. my first I so everything it's so interesting to see the progression of my thoughts because the first like my first ideas were always like something related back to my career or something. So I would be so I started a food blog where I was like, I'll teach people who are busy professionals how to cook. Yeah. And, or like the simple recipes that they could bring to work because I was always getting made fun of at work by, you know, attorneys don't think it's very funny to, or don't think it's very cool to like eat well or to, (laughs) or to like love food or, you know, all this stuff. So they saw it all as a waste of time. So I, I was always getting made fun of about that. And I thought, well, okay. So maybe one of the first steps is that I find an outlet where that is a, like it's an accepted Mm. part of me essentially. So I created this little food blog called Barrister's Beat. (laughs) And I started, I started writing about food and did that. And then the more I got excited about doing that, it never like went anywhere or anything like that, but it was just fun to do. And the more I started doing that, I was like, you know, I've always been obsessed with food and I love cooking. I love health and wellness. I love movement, all this stuff. Like what if I just got one of those like health coach certifications Mm. while I'm still working? Like at least that would give me something to look forward to in the evenings and the weekends. So I did this program um, and then that made me realize like, what if I started this on the side? And so I started that on the side, but I really didn't think that I could take the full leap. I was still struggling with the idea of like completely leaving being a lawyer and doing this um, until I had a really scary like plane incident actually on my way home from Amsterdam back to Philly. And uh, I, I had this moment where I was just like, what are you waiting for? You, uh, I, I had felt very out of control of the situation. I was kind of acting like a victim, like it was all happening to me. And ah. in that plain moment when I actually was very much out of control, yeah. I realized like, oh, no, you have oh. you have a choice here. Like you can leave this job. You're not no one's forcing you to show up there every day. No one's forcing you to complain about it constantly. <laughs> No one's forcing you to like work through the judgment instead of just saying like, I can't leave because people will think I quit or something. Right. And I left in like very, very soon after that plane incident. Wow. Okay. So was this something you'd been pondering then? Like, had you been considering like, I'm, I'm, were you playing with the food blog just kind of for fun? And, and, uh, but did you, did you see yourself when you were doing the blog actually leaving or was that something when that plane incident hit? yeah, definitely not the blog, but the, when I started the health coach certification, mm. I started to think about it. But then I, I'm always very honest about this. I really struggled with what people would think of me because yeah. I was like, I'm going to leave being a lawyer to be, you know, when you're not in this 
little world that we're in, people have not heard of. I mean, coaches yes. are like something that runs a sports team, not anything else, right? Yeah, so totally. people are like, you do what? You know? Mm-hmm. And I felt very judged about it. I didn't really understand. I didn't understand that there was this whole world out there waiting for me of all these amazing people like you oh, who are, who are in this world, you know? And so I was just like, how can you go from being a lawyer to that? It was a very was an annoying mindset that I had at the time, but I didn't know any better. And and I also was th- considering, I would say, more of the analytical, like how much money I had sunk into yes. going to law school, you know, and taking the bar. And I passed the bar in two states. And I had right. just won the biggest award you could win in our state as an attorney, young attorney, mm-hmm. like weeks before this was going on. And I was like, how can a person who just won this award be so miserable and actually be considering leaving? It was like what was happening on the outside was just not matching what I felt. And so, yes, that was all kind of brewing, but I was struggling with the the judgment and just kind of the logistics of it. And that's when in that plain moment, I was like, who cares? This is so silly. What are you doing? Right. And I love how you phrase that because it's like in the, you know, when you were at work, you know, being a lawyer, like things felt outside of your control. But then like, I felt like, you know, when you shared that plane story, it's like, oh, wait a second. No. <laughs> yeah, like this is no control. <laughs> this is like, you're really not in control right, now. Right, <laughs> right. And that kind of just like made things click for you. Yeah. You know, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who's um, been in law for like 20 years, who's leaving um, in the next month. And, you know, she's a partner in her firm and the whole thing. And I was, I just, you know, it's interesting because, I think we think of um, like there's the investment, the resources. I think it's something titled sunk yeah. cost fallacy, right? It's like this idea when we've yeah. invested so much time, so much energy, so many resources um, into something. Like how do we shift past? And I think a lot of people struggle with this. It's like when I was a teacher, like, wait a minute, what about my pension? And, you know, all of the, like the practicalities of I've got tenure. Like how do I give those things mm-hmm. up? And um start something new and i think that can really scare a lot of people um i'm just i'm curious how you work through that for yourself or um yeah what did that look like that period of trying to move through that yeah i i think i had hit such a rock bottom as an attorney that i i just for some reason felt this very like I just have to go out and do this. And I don't really give a thing who, who, like what everybody thinks about this. Um, at the same time, I very much cared that like, you know, I, I definitely got judged. I got mocked. Um, I lost some friends over it, you know, even just naturally, like my friends changed or I didn't want to hang out with my coworkers anymore. Right. I, I think the other thing was that I, I phased out slowly. So like I, I stepped down like from my full-time position, took it. I asked them to put me on part-time for like six months. So I did that. And then even after I finished that, I would still like go out to lunch with people I used to work with. And progressively every lunch was like worse and worse where I was just like, why am I even doing this? Like I almost felt like I had to stay involved in that world, but I also needed it. It was like baby steps out of the industry. And I thought that was really helpful. I, I was a board of trustee for the bar association. I, I stepped down from that position. It was kind of like, I don't know, like cutting off, you know, that communication, I realized it was very toxic. And anybody who was judging me for it, I just 
thought, you know, I wouldn't want them to be part of my life. I, I needed to stop spending this energy trying to convince them and instead just step away from it. And I, yes. I think it helped though, too, that when I got into this, uh, like kind of online world, as I call it, like I started meeting such nice people and such mm-hmm. people with people who felt like, like, where have you been all my life? Like, these are the mm-hmm. friends I really wanted, you know, yeah. that it became easier the more I opened myself up to meeting new people. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that for two reasons. One is that I think sometimes when we are trying to make changes, we like feel like we need to do it all at once. Um, yeah. And I think that like, we I don't know, I just feel like that's the message that we get. So like you got to jump right in. But sometimes, I mean, I, I remember like I stayed an extra year than I was planning on. Um, but it mm-hmm. just gave me a chance to kind of reevaluate and get myself together. And you're never going to be ready until you're actually doing something. But um yeah, it just allows you to kind of ease into things. And I think that's actually can be really helpful. But then I love that when you started opening yourself up, that you started, you know, finding this new community that you really actually did align with, like people who you could connect with in different ways. Um, Yeah, people who I felt like I didn't need to twist myself into a pretzel to get them to like me or to relate to them or to feel so understood. Like I always felt so misunderstood as an attorney other attorneys like they just thought I was weird that I Mm -hmm. wanted to travel and that I love food and I like wanted to hang out with my husband that was very unusual like there was Uh, it was a very common office thing to like talk how bad you know how bad your spouse or partner was and like how they were just like terrible and your kids were terrible everything was terrible (laughs) and that just didn't resonate with me and to meet people who was like I could it's almost like I could relax to like be myself for the first time you know well, that's what I was actually just thinking is because, you know, what did you find? Like, yeah, it sounds like kind of taking off all this, like kind of like letting go. I'm picturing like a snake or whatever, like the skin kind of coming mm-hmm. off and being able to like, oh, I can kind of show up as who I am right now. And like, what did you like start to discover about yourself in those moments? Did you start to like discover new things um, about yourself in those new connections? Yeah, I feel like I'm a totally different person. I mean, I feel like I've basically become myself. It's not even that I'm a new person. It's like I didn't know who I was. I always tell people that I feel like entrepreneurship, especially the start of entrepreneurship, is like standing in the middle of a field naked and you're you're like holding a (laughs) megaphone. (laughs) That's kind of how I felt. It's like I felt very exposed in a way, but I also felt it was kind of a new, like I could also like put on an original outfit, you know, and sort of just wearing the outfit everyone had made me wear my whole life. Um, And so that was super interesting. And I think just learning to like that it was okay to let those parts of myself be seen. Like there were other food nerds out there who were as obsessed with talking about like their favorite recipe or a cooking tool as I would be, you know, mm-hmm. um, or other people have like traveled to the farthest corners of the earth like I have and, and just like love that and, and would be interested in other cultures. Like it was just cool to start to meet other people who were like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think one of the biggest pieces of authenticity online was and I think this is so different for everyone but as you probably know Maureen since I started my business I've experienced all these like unforeseen personal things like I had brain surgery right after I started and my dad has leukemia now he's terminally ill like so I've had all these things come up and it's just what I've learned through that process and what I've learned in, in being an entrepreneur and like getting to know myself is that for me I literally can't show up unless I can be honest about what's Mm. going on because it almost feels like you're holding like this big secret, right? And 
So if I just showed up right now, for example, and talked to you guys about legal stuff and like taught lessons or showed my day, but wasn't honest about the fact that like my dad is dying Mm -hmm. and it's terrifying and it's sad. And a lot of my life is about helping him or especially pre-COVID, like going with him to the hospital all the time is running my business out of uh, chemo rooms all the time. Yeah. So I found pretty quickly in entrepreneurship that one of these things about finding my voice was that I have to be honest. I have to tell you the whole picture. I won't show you any of the picture. Mm. And so it doesn't mean you have to like sob and cry and make this whole big thing, but it is a part of my life and it feels really, really disingenuous to me to just like hide this whole thing, you know, and it's again, not a big, I don't mention it every single day. I don't get into the details. There's so much I don't share, but I have to make, to me, I have to like at least be uh, honest about the fact that it's going on. And then I can like, okay, here are four things you have to have in your contract (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) No. And I, I love that you brought that up, Sam, because that's something that I, I just find so refreshing. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't go onto Instagram or onto these social media sites for, I don't know, like aspirational lifestyle where like everything's perfect all the time. Like I actually go on looking for people I can connect with and, and, and like having people who's, I don't know, like let us into their messiness of their lives. And that's not easy to do. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's, I give you so much credit or I, I don't know. I, I guess on one hand, it's like you couldn't not do it that way because that would feel inauthentic. But at the same time, you know, I think it's just it's a showing of like having the courage to be vulnerable and share the stories of that what's going on with you, especially, you know, with your dad and, and you know, your brain surgery and all of that. Like you've had you've had some serious kind of, um, I don't know, ups and downs and, you know, experiences since you've been on like social media, I guess, in the sense of promoting mm-hmm. your business. Right. Because the, the, the brain surgery happened near the very Four beginning. Four weeks after I started my legal business, I had the brain surgery and was in the hospital completely <laughs> comatose for a week afterwards. Um, came home, barely took like 10 days to uh, recover, I think maybe nine nine days, and wow. started applying for podcasts, writing blog posts, uh, you know, applying to write guest posts. I was still in the beginning throes of my business. I was selling a handful of legal templates and no one knew me. I had like maybe a hundred uh, Instagram followers or something. You know, it was like really, really fresh for me. My business had definitely taken off faster than like my health coaching business, for example. There was more interest. There were more natural sales, like organic sales just from my website and all these things. So I felt the like momentum. I was like, I really believe in this business and I was excited to do it. Um, but it was crazy. I couldn't even walk and I was making sure that I got this done on, on the back end. And (sighs) literally the moment I got on my feet, I I was not even a a year into my recovery and I was still, you know, very much in recovery and was going to PT. Uh, my dad called me in the middle of the day while I was working and said, "I, I have got this really bad pain on my side and I think I need to go to the doctor. And so I was halfway on my way to the doctor's office with him when I, him and said, to the ER instead because that looked good, and oh, so man. yeah, <laughs> that's like literally been the whole time. So there hasn't been this like ma- like massive issue basically the whole time, and somehow I have been very fortunate to grow this business. And I, you know, I, I actually think that all that stuff really helped because it's made me laser focused. 
Mm. It's made me realize like what doesn't matter. Um, and it's also really set me on this path to like an evergreen business, evergreen content strategy. Um, so that literally everything I do has to have maximum impact because at any moment, you know, my dad mm. could take a turn. And so yeah. I need to have things out there working for me and I can't be just like creating all the time. Right. Oh my gosh. There's so much, there's so much I kind of want to dive into, but I almost want to take us back, Sam, because, um, I know with the health coaching and then you started the legal business, I, we didn't have a chance to talk about that. And I love to hear how you switched from health coaching to starting the, the legal templates and the ultimate bundle. Like, how did that come mm-hmm. up? Was that something you had thought about previously or was that something that just naturally evolved? It's actually something that pretty like organically evolved because I was running the health coaching business, which I guess the first seed of doubt was that it it was like, um, it was like a shoe that was the wrong size, but it was Mm. like, you can never tell if you need like one size up or if you can just (laughs) deal with it. And so I kind of felt like that about the health coaching business where I was like, okay, I like this like a lot more than what I was doing. It just still doesn't feel right. But I'm like, I was convinced. I was like, maybe I'm one of these people that just was like not happy in her Uh career. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm weak. Maybe I'm a bad worker. You know, maybe I'm Mm -hmm. lazy. I don't know what's like wrong with me. And as that was all going on, actually, I had this really funny week. I was just like rereading the journal entry the other day. Mm -hmm. So I had this one woman who had signed like a three month, you know, contract or something, which is funny because I'm an attorney, but she signed this contract and then like a month in was like, hey, I think I got everything from you that I needed in the first month. So like, I'm good. I'm just going to cancel for the rest of it. And this is with health coaching. I had a guy. (laughs) Yeah. in the health coaching. And then. And then she had later told me that she wanted to start her own health coaching business. So that made me really freaked out that like she had actually just used me, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of learn the process and everything. I had a guy who had purchased a package for his wife and then contacted me like right before she was supposed to start being like, I told her, you know, that I got her this as a gift and she was upset with me. So I want my money back. I was <laughs> oh, like, what? <laughs> so I, I had like all of these terrible series of events and it was actually that weekend that I was to go uh, to a summit in Philly called the Good Fest. It was a wellness mm. festival. It was actually the first one that they were running. And even though it's just like a wellness festival for the general public, pretty much what ended up happening was because the founders are very like Instagram centric. It was like all Instagrammers who are very like a lot of coaches, everybody in the wellness industry, brands, all these things. So I went to that and the whole day I basically had like a little mini line of people standing near me who would be like, Hey, you're Sam from Instagram, right? I follow you. So I, I'm a health coach and I want to start my business or I not sure if I need an LLC and all this. And I was like, why are you asking me legal (laughs) questions? They're like, well, you used to be a lawyer, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, but like now I'm a health coach. You're like, well, I figured that because you're a lawyer, you must know what I need to do. So I kind of just led with curiosity to be honest. And yeah, I was like, why are you asking me like where are you are you have you tried something else like is it not working for you oh yeah I went and tried to talk with an attorney and they didn't get what I did or they were too expensive or they treated me they kind of like belittled me because uh, they didn't know what a coach was or a yoga teacher or mm. meditation expert or whatever yeah and I was like oh okay well that makes sense and I and I you know it's funny that was the moment where I really reconnected the dots or connected the dots of like I used to be really angry as a young attorney that I felt like women were under 
underrepresented. Like people of color were underrepresented. Mm-hmm. Like people who were young or had like cool ideas for things were treated like everything was stupid. It was just like this old stodgy white guy mm-hmm. mentality in the firm. And it was that moment where I was like, if I help these people, this is like kind of my way to heal that whole experience and make Love it worth it. it. Right. Like yeah. make my education work it, make my, my, um, investment in everything, my time, and basically take all of this stuff that I learned, because I did learn a lot of great stuff at, at working at these firms yeah. and working with businesses. I was a business attorney, and now I can make it more accessible to people who are not being taken seriously by the system. Mm. And so that's kind of where the idea was born. Oh, I love that. I love that, because that's what we need. We need someone to just kind of give us, like, you know give us a hand, give us a step up just to like understand mm-hmm. things and like the access, like having access to information and to knowledge and so that we, you can yep. make decisions that can enable you to do great things. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's really cool. I am. Um, yeah. My other question I was thinking for you, Sam, is when you were talking about, you know, your brain surgery, um, like, did how, like did you have a series where you weren't feeling well? Like how did you know? Like what was going on with you and your body um, at the time? And like what was what, what did that look like? What was happening then? Yeah. So basically, for several months leading up to um, having the surgery, I was starting to feel really off balance, and oh. I started noticing. So basically, in the spring, I started noticing that when I would take my morning walks, um, it started to warm up a little bit here in Philadelphia. I was walking down the sidewalk and there were like the the grooves or the lines in the sidewalk and I would notice that I would be like drifting over to the right, you know, or to the left as mm. I was walking, even though I felt like I was walking straight and I was like, this is really weird. And then I started noticing as I was going up and down the stairs at home that I would just like fall into the wall and little things like that. So huh. that's how it started. And then it started progressing into like, Every time I was washing the dishes, I chipped every dish. Oh, my God. All my favorite mugs, all my favorite plates. I chipped it because I could not keep my hands steady. I was like, what is going on? It's like, do I have MS or is like some weird neurological? Like, this is really strange. And then all of a sudden, I believe it was in June, I started getting terrible headaches. Now, it coincided with me starting this business. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm sitting at a computer constantly. I'm like hunched over, you know, I'm doing all the things you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I was working like crazy to, I built my own website. I did all these things. So I was just like, it has to be that, right? But I, I was not a, I'm not a headache person. I, I don't, I never got headaches or anything like that. Okay. Like my sister gets them all the time. So this was very unusual for me. And then it never went away. And so I actually went and got a scan. And then they said, uh, you should go see a neurosurgeon. I was like, I don't think you, I need to go see a neurosurgeon. You only go to a neurosurgeon if you yeah. have surgery. Like, don't you mean a neurologist? And they said, no, you need to go to a neurosurgeon because there's something on your scan. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I went to uh, this like world-renowned neurosurgeon who we are lucky to have here in Philly who specializes in what I have, which is called a Chiari malformation. And uh, basically it turned out that like my cerebellum was dropping through my spinal column and was cutting oh, off through both spinal fluid to my brain. Oh. So that is why I felt like I was drunk all the time. Oh, um, yeah, and felt like I couldn't walk straight. And I was also starting to have, uh, I forgot, as it got close, I was starting to have uh, trouble swallowing. So I was choking on water and choking on anything liquid, like fight cereal or soup or drank water. I was choking. 
Um, so that was very interesting. And so he told me like what, what was going to happen to me. And I said, well, I think I'll take a little while to think about it and I'll get back to you. And he was like, Oh no, there's no like getting back to me. You need to have surgery on Thursday. It was Tuesday. And I was like, I can't have surgery on Thursday. I actually had it the following Thursday. I got a week. Hmm. Um, so yes, that's what happened. Well, and I guess I, I'm, I was curious because, you know, I like I'm picturing, you know, people who are starting their own business and, you know, you're just so like zoomed in and focused and you got all this stuff to do. And I think people can really kind of neglect themselves and not yeah. sometimes pay attention. So I guess there was a part of me that was just curious. Was that something? It sounds like these symptoms are things that you, you had to pay attention to. So it wasn't anything like that you could ignore. Um, but I, I appreciate that, you know, you you went in and got a scan and because um, I do think that's something that people all often do is just kind of keep pushing it aside, keep dismissing, you know, their symptoms, their physical symptoms, their emotional symptoms until it gets to the point where you can no longer ignore it. So I um, but it sounds like there's no way you could ignore any of that too, if you're like losing your balance yeah. and all of it. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot, Sam. It was a pretty wild ride. It was not a fun uh, surgery. I don't recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I still deal with it. It's still part of my – I mean, I've I've gotten really comfortable with the fact that, like, it's just a new normal. Like, it's, I think for a long time, if anybody's ever had, like, a major surgery, you just kind of – at first, I think you're always just, like, working to get back to what you felt like or looked like or whatever mm. pre-surgery. And the faster you can just get to, like – that's never going to happen. So mm. it's just a new normal. Like I have a eight inch scar of the back of my head. It's a new normal. Yeah. And that it probably impacts some of the things that you were able to do, you know, pre-surgery versus post-surgery then as well, like, I'm guessing. Yeah. So it's like some of the funniest things you can think of. Like I have a lot of difficulty opening jars because ah. it's like pushing. So when you actually go to like twist a jar, it really hurts your spinal column. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like with some of these funnier things where I'll just call my husband and be like, I can't open this jar because it's like really hurting my head. Or if I get really upset, if I have like a really hard day, or especially when things started happening with my dad when he first got sick, um, my head gets very full and gets very swollen. And I don't like I, I, I call them brain days and I just have to rest a bit and take it easy because my head will really start to hurt and obviously there are like little balance things here and there I love bar classes so when I do bar classes sometimes I just have to be a little careful about not throwing myself all over the place I I get very dizzy and off balance yeah got it okay yeah and it it sounds like you have found ways like to like accept where you're at now and to take care of yourself I know that can be a hard process sometimes so I was yeah just curious if that was a challenge for you at first or yeah, for sure. Just getting a getting uh, comfortable with like your limitations. Like I can't turn my head very well, so I feel very Frankenstein-y sometimes. And mm. um, obviously the scar, especially like with your hair and everything, like uh, they shaved the whole back of my head. So for a long time, I just like even silly things like that. Like I just didn't yeah. have hair, and I felt like it was very exposed. Like everyone can see it, and just silly things. Um, and yeah, just getting very comfortable with stretching. Um, I actually ah. think that it taught me a lot about business because I think that everybody in online business thinks, for some reason, my mind always converts everything to this, but my, I think everybody thinks of everything in business as like, if you just find this like magic bullet, then everything will all of a sudden explode and become successful. And in fact, what I think is that it's little repetitive consistency. Yes. And so 
it's been kind of funny to me to see, like with my neck, there's no magical thing that's ever going to fix this. It's like my stretching and then I heat and then sometimes I ice and then sometimes I just have to take it easy. And, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I have to do yoga. Sometimes yoga is too much. So it's like just finding these little things, but above all else, just being consistent with it. And that's what seems to keep it in check. Yeah. And it sounds like you're finding these things and, so I'm listening to you talk. It sounds like, like okay, it's like more investigative rather than judgmental. Yeah. You know? Yes. Like, yeah. And I, I know like for so many of us, like applying judgment to, you know, our capabilities or what we used to be able to do and what we can't, you know, it's like sometimes that can take over. Mm-hmm. So I love just even hearing you how to, you're describing it. Like you're exploring, you're doing that lead with curiosity again, or at least that's how it comes across to me. And For sure. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think I think leading with curiosity in life in general is like Agreed. other than like hard drugs, I I recommend <laughs> it because because it's like it really is. I mean, I'm just such a. I think Goldilocks was like the story we should all go back to and be like, oh, that's what they were trying to teach us. I got it. Like between black and white thinking and experimenting yes. with this stuff, I just see that as being like two of the greatest gifts that I've learned through this process. No, I love it. I love it and. You just made me think like my dad used to have a period of time where he was like church hopping. He was just going from church to church, <laughs> just like, che- yeah, just checking it out and seeing what fits. And I, you know, I, I think that was kind of, I always thought that was so cool. And like, you know, I don't think we always give ourselves permission to explore and lead with that curiosity. So I, I love you yeah. sharing those stories. Um, yeah. yeah I'd love to like to talk about your dad actually, because I, I know it's been a lot and I you recently shared something about registering for the like or the bone marrow mm. registry and I thought that was so so cool that you put that out to the world and yeah I would just love I mean you ha- you've had to have learned so much going through this process like I know there's the grief involved there, there which obviously and then there's got to be like so much that you've had to learn and yeah I don't know um I don't even know how to ask the question but like what have been things that you have learned about yourself and how you've been moving through this um, and dealing with the situation because I know it has to be incredibly challenging. Yeah, it's it's been really hard so just to fill everyone in. My dad has terminal leukemia, like I mentioned earlier, like found out really on a whim. I actually, so this is really wild, Maureen. Mm. I actually had a dream um, almost a year before he got diagnosed. He had no like outward symptoms at this time or anything like that. He told me in the dream, actually walked into a restaurant that we always went to as a child, and he was sitting there at the table, and he told me in the dream that he had spleen cancer and that there was nothing he could do about it, and he wasn't going to do anything about it. And I woke up sobbing. I woke up my husband. He was like, what happened? I told him what happened in the dream, so I have, have like, corroborating evidence that this happened. (laughs) Because otherwise I would think I was totally crazy um, if I hadn't told him. And so fast forward, like, nearly a year I start noticing all these symptoms in him where he's gray and he was bruising he had lost a lot of weight and everybody kept telling me this is like so apropos for what we're talking about yeah everybody kept telling me because my intuition was telling me like all the alarms were going off like Mm. there is something wrong and I know him well and you know all this Mm. everybody kept telling me you're crazy you're so sensitive you're overly sensitive all you do is worry like this is all in your head this is what you do you know and so I was like man I guess they're right you know Mm -hmm. so I let it go let it go and then when this you know, he calls me that day and says, I need to go to the doctor. I end up taking him to the hospital. 
what do you know when they do the test and whatever, the ER doctor walks in and says, you have a blood malignancy and it's gone to your spleen. Wow. And I was like, what did you just say? He's like, his spleen is full of cancer. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. That is exactly what he told me in his dream. Oh, my gosh. I was like, that is so weird. That's and so, weird. so I, yeah, besides the fact that in that moment, I felt like I had literally died and sunk into the earth. It was the craziest moment of my life. Mm. Um, I think that first I sunk into a very deep depression. I, well, I would say first I sunk into like uh, go mode, which I think everybody who's uh. like gone something like this, it's just like, you know, he was hospitalized for a while. I like had to get him health insurance. I was doing all the logistics, you know, yeah. I got his will. I got like all this stuff done. And, and by the way, I'm his like person because he doesn't, he's not, he's not married. He's, there is no one else. So yeah. I was doing this stuff for him. And then after that all came to, you know, quieted down, he got out of the hospital, he started treatment. So they had it like under control at least. Um, that's when I was like, mm. whoa, this is in October, basically October through the holidays. I was just in a, a deep depression, did not want to do anything business wise, um, kept showing up, but I really was like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I just feel so down, you know? Mm-hmm. And then things straightened out a bit. Like he's tolerated treatment well, even though he's still terminal, they, they cannot cure this type of leukemia mm-hmm. yet. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, things have been relatively until, um, this like February, March, actually right before COVID, okay. um, my dad started to decline and, so I kind of got to live in la-la land. Like, I still really struggled with it up and down. But I also would go through periods of denial where I'm like, maybe they're wrong. Maybe he's going mm-hmm. to be okay because mm-hmm. he's tolerating treatment. And I don't understand. They, they told us he would only live 11 months. And uh, this October, it'll be two years since he's been on treatment. So yeah. it's like, this is so confusing. And I think the greatest thing I've learned about myself in this process is that <laughs> I think like most humans, I'm really struggling with not having control mm-hmm. over this situation. I always jokingly say that I could handle this much better if ever, if somebody could just like give me a memo of exactly what's going to go down and when, yeah. um, because the fact that this feels like it's like a surprise is not feeling good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I feel like my life can get turned upside down at any moment does mm-hmm. not feel good to me. And so I struggle with that every day. And it's it's such a roller coaster because every three weeks he gets chemo. And so it's like good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. And it's very hard to uh, to navigate, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that sounds, that sounds like a lot. And I can see getting lulled into that, like maybe everything's going to be okay. Like wanting – because we mm-hmm. want to believe that, I'm sure, you know. Um. Yeah, how are you taking care of yourself through all this? Like, I imagine, yeah, that's because it's, it's it's been an extended, like you said, it's been two years, right? Um, or he's yeah, and so it's. I think I heard, watched you share an Instagram um, story once where you're talking it. I'm gonna get the term wrong, but you know, like that extended grief or, or um. Yeah, pre-grief. This is pre-grief. something I didn't know about until this happened. Uh, you know. I think that's something else that's been really interesting and something that one day I would love to help other people with. I'm obviously in a thick of it, so I know yeah. I am no expert and I don't know what to do right mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. um, even just being there for someone else in the future, because it has been so, I think something I have just been really surprised about is that everyone's very sympathetic to grief. Like someone dies, we can really wrap our hands mm-hmm. around that and just be like, this person was here. Now they're not. That's really sad. And this person's in pain, but 
when people go through prolonged illnesses, and particularly with um, with a terminal disease or even with a disease like Parkinson's, for example, yeah. like my stepfather-in-law just got diagnosed with Parkinson's, and I always think one of the things about that is so hard is that, like, he will still be here in his physical body, but, like, it's not the same. And so that's still a level of grief that, you know, people have to wrap their minds around. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like this kind of grief gets a little ignored and i've actually even noticed that there's not there are not tons of resources about it you know what you see lots of really popular instagram accounts about grief and it's like mm-hmm. no one talks about pre-grief it's very interesting um and i think that in the past people have been older when their parents have died and mm-hmm. unfortunately i see a lot of people around us that are our age who um, are experiencing this, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like we're like the forgotten <laughs> generation of this. Um, so that's been very interesting. But yes, and pre grief sometimes can be ta- called anticipatory grief for yeah. anybody else who experiencing this. I mean, it's obviously where you know it's going to happen, but it's not happening yet. And something that's like particularly isolating to me is that people don't understand the range of emotions that obviously you're devastatingly sad but you also have moments where you're like is this going to go on forever and then you feel really Ah. guilty for feeling that way because you're shaming yourself for wanting it to end and of course I don't want my dad to end but this has also not been pleasant for me or for him right in a lot of times and Mm -hmm. so it's like it's a very confusing I literally within minutes I will go from feeling like I never want this to end to like, I need this to end to, I feel terrible for feeling that way. Um, and so it's a very wild experience. So everyone I've spoken to has experienced pre-grief or anticipatory grief has said the same exact thing. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you talk about it because you're right. It's not something, you know, that I hear people, you know, talk about. And, you know, I had a, uh, a cousin who, you know, who was struggling for a long time and I know, yeah, it's just, it's interesting because that's not a conversation. But you know people are really struggling with the grief of losing that person as she was able to show up, you know? And yeah. um, it's like that person's not the same person anymore. And But that's yeah. not something we talk about um, because they're still there. It's like, but there's still a loss. There's still a grieving process. So yeah, that's, yeah, it's really I'm interesting. Also, I've learned so much about how people don't know how to talk about, yes. well, not only forget death or like pain or whatever, people are very uncomfortable talking about sadness. So, mm-hmm. or hurts or pain. So one of the things I've noticed a lot is like, again, going back to this idea that if I'm not honest and like, I can't, I really can't show up. Um, is like when people will ask what, like, how are you doing? Or like people I know, it's not just like a random person I right. see at the grocery store, but like people I know, I was like, actually, I've been really struggling lately. Like, you know, I go up and down about my dad, but like, I've been, ha- I've been feeling really blue lately. And they're just like, huh. Or like, they just don't mm. know how to process it. Um, or I notice that when I tell people that my dad's terminally ill, they'll say, oh, I hope he gets better soon. It's oh. like, well, I just told you he's terminally ill. Cause like, that's not how that works. You don't get better. You die like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's very interesting where people will ask how old he is. And then when I say like, he just turned 79, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So it's kind of this like, yeah. well, he can go because he's old enough, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. it should like, therefore not be painful or something. It's very interesting. Yeah, and it's, it is. It's like, I think, and I'm not necessarily particularly good at talking about this stuff either, but it's something that I think we don't allow ourselves to 
to talk about because we're so afraid to say the wrong thing sometimes or yeah. and also yeah. I think we're there's a part of us that's kind of you know when you're having a conversation with someone like and you're showing empathy like you're going there with your with yourself like you're kind mm-hmm. of allowing yourself to drop into those feelings um, and connect with that person and I think that can be really um, intimidating and kind of overwhelming for people sometimes too so they just like yeah. block, block that off and don't allow that um but I think it is so important that we are able to talk about it and just like even kind of practicing or leading with curiosity, you know, is, is just to try to like get more comfortable with it because I think it is really important. Um, yeah. And, yeah. The way I see it is that literally everybody is going to experience this with their parents, mm-hmm. hopefully not with cancer and not mm-hmm. this young, but everyone's going to experience this. So my, my thought process with this is that if I'm honest, then it empowers somebody else to be honest in the future when they're experiencing it inevitably um, and not feel like you just need to like deal with it or that, you know, it is supposed to be better because he's old or it is supposed to be better because he's outlived his diagnosis. That's the other thing I get a lot is like, well, he's lucky you made it this long. Like you're lucky Mm -hmm. at this much time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it easier. And so in in many ways it's made it harder. So I, I always think about how like, one day I know these people will understand. Also, by the way, I don't sit on my high horse. I did not understand, very much did not understand. Uh, the story I always tell my friends is that when when my dad first got sick, I, I went through a crazy range of emotions, and one of them was realizing how I did not show up for people in my life uh. when they had lost loved ones and mm-hmm. felt like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that you were not, you know, present for this person in the way that they probably mm-hmm. needed because you didn't know any better or you did think it was uncomfortable you didn't want to remind them the person was sick yes. or remind them that the person they lost and so I actually went to the grocery store near us Wegmans that has like you know big uh, card display area and I bought like a million grief cards for all these people that mm-hmm. I knew that lost people in the years prior and I go up to the checkout counter and I had like a cool. stack of grief cards and the girl was was checking me out looked up at me and she's like are you okay (laughs) because it looked like you know 30 people had died or something and I just immediately started crying it was right after my dad got sick and I was like my dad just got diagnosed with leukemia now I feel terrible that all of these people you know I wasn't there for them the way I should be and it was just so funny but I I filled out these cards and sent it to people and I would encourage anybody who's listening to that like even if you haven't been there for someone in the past, I know it would mean a lot to me. Uh, like I've had a lot of friends just totally ghost me uh, mm. in this process. And I think it would be really helpful for someone just to recognize it and, and recognize the, like, I don't know how to show up. Like, I don't need you to be an expert, but just tell me, like, I don't, I don't know how, but I do know I want to be there for you. So, yeah. Oh, I love that so, so, so much. And yeah, thank you for sharing that because you know what? I'm going to do that. There's, I've been actually thinking about writing a card to, you know, someone and it's like, I haven't done it yet. So you are going to be the extra nudge to get me to like pull out the card. And I literally did just buy like a bunch of blank kind of cards so that I could write, you know, anything (laughs) for reasons like this. So that's a really, yeah, that's a really great suggestion. Actually. Yeah, I think better better late than never, but also showing that you're trying. I, I don't expect people, you know, people in my life who have never been through something like this. I'm like, well, I didn't know what it was like until I went through it. So why are they supposed to know? You know, right. um, I don't think they're supposed to all of a sudden be an expert just because my dad's sick. So 
I understand, but I think it's been really helpful when people have just like recognized that and said that they didn't know how to show up and just asked what they could do. Mm, yeah, that's that's really, really a good suggestion. Yeah, and, and Sam, like as, I mean, I think that's kind of, you know, in watching you on social media and stuff, like I, yeah, that's what I do. I really actually truly appreciate that. And like I get turned off when people are just, uber sunny and I want them to be happy <laughs> like I want the people to have happy right. lives you don't want to be miserable <laughs> <laughs> like I don't wish ill upon them at all and um but it just doesn't feel real to me and so I I appreciate that you really like let us in um and it sounds like you 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 just can't show up any other way like it just wouldn't be possible um gosh yeah yeah I okay this is kind of a random question do you think if you hadn't gone through this experience as, you know, leaving law, starting your own stuff, do you think that this experience would be different for you um, in terms of you, would you be hiding this grief or do you think this would be something that you would be able to talk about? And, you know, and sh you know, I don't know. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I, well, I actually, sometimes I don't even get that far down the path because sometimes I'm like I don't know what I would have done if mm -hmm. my dad got sick while I was working at the firm I mean up until COVID started I was taking him to seven plus chemo treatments a month uh, four blood draws a month wow. if not more uh, at least two doctor's appointments a month if not more and then doing his grocery shopping taking him everywhere he needed to go and two to three dinners a night or a yeah. week, you know, together. So I'm like, how would I have done that if I was at the firm? How would I have had brain surgery if I was at yeah. the firm? I guess I would have had to go out on disability. You know, so it's, I just feel like it wouldn't have even been physically possible. And you asked earlier, like, how I'm taking care of myself mm -hmm. with all of this. And it's like that. I think about a lot too, because I wouldn't have been able, uh, a lot of the mechanisms I have built into my day um, just would not have been possible. So I don't know. Sometimes I feel like this is why, you know, so I think mm -hmm. sometimes people only think of the positive <laughs> stuff mm -hmm. of like, of what comes of it, but I wouldn't have been able to navigate this situation. Um, and I actually see it as a blessing. Like I've gotten to be there for him. What an amazing gift, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really, yeah, that's interesting. Because I was just wondering, like, you know, just did that leaving of the law and just being able to step in fully into yourself and kind of um, let your voice and your true self and, you know, start to kind of come through and connecting and feeling a sense of confidence with who you are. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, I really appreciate that that's something that's happened because I do think you have left like a you leave an impact on the stuff you put on social media. And I, I, I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's really great. And, um, I guess I'm going to wrap up with a question cause I, I could keep talking to you, I think for a long time and I'm going to like start to, you know, <laughs> <in>. so fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like what, you know, you've had lots of changes and you're, you're in the midst of stuff right now. You're in the midst of a lot. So I don't know if you're like able to even focus on like what you're learning, discovering, maybe unlearning, um exploring for yourself like is there anything that comes to mind and maybe you're too in the in the midst with things that it'd be hard to think of something but I'm wondering if anything comes to mind yeah I mean I'm very much very much in the the midst of like learning how to navigate I guess what I should say is I don't think I'm handling this well but one mm -hmm. thing I'm trying to learn 
it's just about I guess it's so funny. Like one thing I've learned is that I would say I'm working on letting go of control, but it's actually more like laughing at the idea that I ever had control. Yeah. Um, I love that. So just really struggling with the idea. I, the, I am very honest about the fact that like the part that uh, gets to me the most is this idea that I feel like there's this thing looming over me. That's going to like jump out of the shadow. My friend called it the shark in the water, which I think mm. is like the best way to describe it. Um, Whereas I always say I feel like I'm going to get hit by a bus and, like, I can see the bus barreling down on me, but it's just, like, going a mile per hour and I'm standing there and I can't move. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how it feels. So I'm working on on surrendering a bit mm. to that. And I have my moments where I surrender a bit more. <laughs> and, and then I have my moments where I have my, like, my temper tantrums of, like, I don't want to surrender to this. This is unfair. This has gone on so long and I want to know what's happening mm. and it's just too much. So I would say that's the biggest thing. And business-wise, I think it's taught me a ton that I feel like I've already learned, which is to be more focused, you know, have fewer offers, but, but make them good and, and talk about them often um, and really just drive it home, like make that the best that you can be instead of, I think I see a lot in business, like people creating lots of new things and going in all different directions. And so I, this process has forced me essentially to just be like really targeted, like do one Instagram story per day, you know, do one email to my email list every single week. I've never missed a beat. Like all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. has been really helpful. Yeah. So you've just become even like more laser focused on like what are the essential important things that you need to keep doing to have your business going and to be able to take care of your family and your dad and the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. And if you're consistent and clear with your messaging, then you don't need to show up quite as much. So I think one of the reasons why people feel like they need to constantly be pumping out content is because they're posting about all types of random stuff and, and not just, you know, if you would just show up half as much, but only mm. talk about what you do and work it into every story, you know, use storytelling. Even when I talk about my dad, I turn it into a lesson mm-hmm. of something about business or legal or whatever, being an entrepreneur. And so it's like, there's always something you can bring it back to to just continue to remind people about who you are, what you do, kind of associate your name with your your product or service. And so um, I think the more that I've just focused on that, the rest has like fallen into place, you know? Ah, yeah, that's awesome. Sam, so many like really like lovely, like just getting to hear your story and more in depth and just like so many really great takeaways that I think we can all kind of you know, I think there's gonna be something there for so many people to kind of gravitate towards and like take with them and apply into their lives. So I thank you so much in like sharing your like, you know, you're becoming aligned or parts of your becoming aligned story with us. And I know it's always a work in process. And we're all just always like, you know, healing and growing and discovering like, there's a lot always kind of happen happening. Um, I just I really appreciate you taking some time with everything going on to kind of let us in and to share parts of your story with us. So thank you so much, Sam. Thank you, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Sam. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you did as well. There were so many things that I found myself reflecting on after our conversation. You know, I really appreciated her honesty. She has a way of of sharing her story that I think really resonates. And because of that, I think it can really help others. You know, I love that a motivating force behind her business is a desire to make legal more accessible to people who are not taken seriously by the system. I just loved hearing her talk about that. 
I so appreciate that she is someone who thinks of others when she is going through challenging times. You know, she recently shared information about the bone marrow registry, and it might not be able to help her dad, but it will help others. And I'll share a link to her story in the resource section um, on this podcast. And I'll also share a link to the bone marrow registry. It's something that's free to do um, and doesn't cost anything to get, your, get our names on that, on that registry. And her story about being in the store buying grief cards, that just really touched my heart. And I, I, I appreciated her reminder of the power of being able to say, like, I don't know how to show up right now, but I do know I want to be there. And I just thought that was really beautiful. And um, I think it could be a reminder for all of us. What did you find yourself thinking about and reflecting on after listening to this episode? I would love to hear, I would love to hear about your reflections. Please share on my website, MaureenRyan.co, or on my Instagram page, Maureen underscore Ryan underscore. And if you haven't heard, the Becoming Aligned online course is now available. And I am so excited to be able to offer this self-guided course, which is lovingly designed to help nurturing, driven, heart-centered women release an all-or-nothing mindset as they learn to befriend their feelings and honor their needs so that they can create a life that feels meaningful, joyful, and expansive. You can learn more at my website, MaureenRyan.co. You'll also see that I just added a free workshop, and it gives you kind of a little taste of what the course will be like. So I would love for you to check that out. And I'm just wishing you all the best. I hope to see you next time on the podcast, or have you listening next time on the podcast. And I hope you just take care. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Becoming Aligned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Becoming Aligned and rate and review this podcast. I'm Maureen Ryan, and I hope you'll join us next time. Take care.